0: Hey, everybody. Nate here. Today's episode, believe it or not, is the 50th episode of the Real Success Podcast, and I just wanted to take a second before we get started to thank you all for listening. It's been an honor to partner with the Corridor Media Group and talk with some of the Corridor's greatest business leaders. Before we start each interview, you all know that I say I've learned a lot, and I think you will too, and I really mean it. I've learned so much from this experience about not only the leaders here in our community, but our community in general, and I hope you all have as well. So thank you all for supporting the show and getting us to 50 episodes and I can't wait to see what the next 50 episodes hold in store.
1: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
0: I'm Nate Kading and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. On today's episode, I sit down with someone who's special to me, Coach Kirk Ferentz. You all know him as the Head Football Coach at the University of Iowa. It was a pleasure to sit down with Coach and talk about the business of college football and how his coaching techniques can apply to business management. Kirk shares with me how he has seen the landscape of football change since he started his career in the 80s, how he approaches change and how his team continues to see big returns from small innovations, and how his job at Iowa today compares to his time in Maine. We also discuss why he has his team read books in the offseason on productivity and collaboration, what real success means to someone like him who has already found a significant level of success in his career, and I even get coach to share some positive thoughts on special teams, and of course the most important position in all of football, kickers. I learned a lot, and I think you will
1: too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's Empowered Money Management. It's Midwest One Bank. Member FDIC.
0: Coach, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know it's summertime and uh, you guys get some time to relax, so I appreciate you sitting down. This is the big 50th podcast for us here uh, with the CBJ and couldn't think of anybody better to to have join us for a little conversation. Uh, We're going to get into a lot of things. Obviously, this is a a business podcast, so we're going to put the X's and O's to the side and just focus on... You as a leader in organizational management and all those things that folks out there in the business world can, can really relate to, even though I'm sure people want to talk about Hawkeye football, they always do. But I think before we kind of dive into some of that stuff, looking back on your, you know, going into your 25th season, which is amazing. I was here for the, right at the beginning of all that, which ages me a little bit as well. Uh, you know, looking at one of the main hallmarks, of course, of your career has been, you know, you've had amazing kickers here at Iowa, right? I mean, that's that's been the, been the main thing. What's made you such a great head coach for kickers?
1: Uh, you know, a couple of thoughts here. First of all, <laughs> it's an honor to do this. And, uh, you know, I have no background in business at all. But but I do think a lot of things that we do in, in our world, if you will, uh, do transfer over. Uh, no question about that. Uh, I, I'm always amused when people think I'm busy. So uh, <laughs> I think that's a good thing, probably, right? It's good they think I'm that busy. but. Uh, The way rules have changed, May is actually kind of a slower time for us, believe it or not. So this is perfect timing and just uh, thrilled to be part of it. And then to your point about the kickers and punters, um, you know, it's it's almost ironic because I was here for nine years as an assistant coach back in the 80s. I had no interest, no regard uh, for special <laughs> teams at all. Like you just had no. We're, interest. we're a tough group to. Oh my gosh! And you and get part better of, with
0: age, you know. It's like a, it's like a fine wine. Co- get, coach yeah.
1: Fry uh, made us coach the punt team, and, and and Barry Alvarez and I are both the same. Like, hey, you know, take money out of our paycheck, but don't don't <laughs> don't, don't don't make us be involved with that stuff. But yep. I will say I did grow an appreciation for uh, Reggie Roby real quickly. I oh, yeah. figured that out. That's Absolutely. pretty good. And when Tommy Nickel hit three field goals at Michigan in 1981, like okay, as a true freshman, I said this is this is a good thing too. So uh, fast forward, um, really, really is my time in the NFL uh, where my appreciation for special teams, just how important they are, uh, that was it. Really grew. It became very apparent to me. It's a key component in uh, being successful, and I think transferring it to uh, coming back to Iowa in 1999 um, you know we, we don't live in the world of Penn State uh, Michigan Ohio State uh, never have probably never will yet we've been able to compete with them and so you know to do that I think you know the the value of special teams is just you know it's a critical component and then you know the essence of special teams it really starts with your, your specialist if you will so if you don't have uh, a really good place kicker if you don't have a a good kickoff guy, if you don't have a uh, you know, good, good holder, a good snapper, and obviously a punter, those things, those are key components of uh, building good special teams. And uh, it's it's won a lot of football games for us over the last 20-plus yeah. years.
0: Absolutely. I set you up for that one. I was, I was panning for Love a, it, uh, man, yeah, why a why little not? kicker comment. You, you, you got the ball rolling, yeah. <laughs> if you'll pardon the punt.
1: Yeah, you absolutely do. I,
0: I like it. Um, well, back to the business side of things. You know, Obviously, Big Ten football, the University of Iowa football, are huge economic drivers here in the region and the state and across the country, obviously. Uh, corridor Business Journal just recently published a magazine of the largest privately held companies in the corridor. CRST, you know, it's a big transportation trucking region here is you know, the top of that list at $2 billion in revenue. The Iowa Athletic Department in general is at about $150 million in revenue, which is 13th on that list of the largest in the region. Um, you know, obviously UI football being here is, a you know, a huge chunk of that as the contributor, uh, over $80 million in revenue, so over half of that. Do you think much about, you know, as your role of, as the head coach, call it the CEO of, of Iowa football, do you think much about the economic impact that Iowa football has on the university, this region, and the state at large? Does that come into your thought at all?
1: Yeah, it's it's not prominent in my thoughts um, at all. I, see, yeah, I get a, a kick out of CEO of football, like that's... You know, it just sounds uh, way too professional for me. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting. I'll flashback. I remember walking in the Cleveland Browns facility, and um, it was a beautiful facility at the time. It was 1993, uh, one of the newer ones in the NFL. It was really a nice building and felt like I should be wearing a suit every time I went in there. And if you've ever met Coach Belichick, uh, you know, he's not exactly a guy that dresses up a lot. When he does dress <laughs> up, he looks <laughs> fine. But, uh, yeah. you know, he, he did not dress like a CEO that's one of the ironies of football, I guess. But uh, to your larger point, I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the one thing that's really changed so much in my 20-plus years here uh, in college football is just the money. The money is just – it's it's unbelievable. And most of it's driven by TV, TV revenue. Uh, I remember my time in the NFL wondering if, you know, where's it all going to end, where's it going to stop. And uh, it hasn't, you know, in the NFL. And it's trickled down to college football too. So if you look at these – conference TV deals uh, that have been cut uh, the last several years. And in the future here, you think back about Jim Delaney launching the Big Ten Network. And, you know, he was looked at as, you know, enemy of the people. Everybody made fun of him. You know, they were sarcastic about it and cynical. And, um, you know, next thing you know, everybody was trying to be Jim Delaney, you know, a couple of years later. So, you know, what a visionary. But, yeah, it's it's changed so much. And there's so much money, um, much more money involved in our programs now than there was 20 years ago. Uh, but to that point, I think, you know, as a coach, my, one of my biggest fears is that is the reality of the world we live in right now. Uh, with that noise has been amplified, social media, just all this noise, all, all this attention to sports. I'm not sure it's all healthy and, you know, long-winded answer here. But the, the primary thing for me is to make sure our players are in a good place, a healthy place, and able to do what they do and, and hopefully enjoy what they do. So, you know, as an older guy, I worry about, like, just, you know, all this outside stuff. Yeah, how do you and, keep them focused on football? Yeah, yeah, it just, you know, and you lose the purity of the game. And the game is is all about teamwork. It's about camaraderie, being good at what you do. i um, sitting here with a guy who had, you know, just took tremendous pride in his craft and what he did and worked extremely hard at it. So, you know, that that's the beauty of the game. And that's, that's really what the game's still all about. But now I think there are a lot more layers for us as coaches or adults to try to um, – you know try to uh, protects not the right word but maybe insulate our players from some of this outside stuff and just let them really enjoy what's what's really good and the other thing I'll share with you is like you know the one thing I I don't know much about business I don't know anything about business but the smart business people I've talked with it seems like they all focus on performance you know that that's what it's all about sure. and and you know student you can't doing your best every day and that really is the essence of, of being a good athlete or a good competitor and um, you know, trying to really gain, you know, gain traction and get something somewhere.
0: Yeah. Th- throughout your career, have you had many sort of private sector mentors? Have you had folks uh, that you've kind of leaned on to, to pull ideas from how they manage their company and or have you have taken guidance from them as in terms of how they've run their successful organizations?
1: Yeah. In- indirectly, I guess. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's almost ironic. You know, I had two big fears coming um, into this role. 20 some years ago, and, and, and one of my I actually asked Mary on the way out for the interview with uh, the people from Iowa. Uh, we met in Cleveland, the search committee. And uh, as I was leaving, I said, You know, are you sure you're on board with this? Because I've never owned my own business, but I, I just told Mary, I said, My guess is this is going to be like having our own business. Sure. Um, pro football was great because if there were ever any issues, my phone never rang. Yeah, someone when else I, can. <laughs> when, yeah, when I went home, I went home. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the phone calls went to the head coach or the GM and I didn't have to deal with them. I just told Mary, I said, my guess is all the phone calls are going to come to me now, and this is back before cell phones, so... Right. Uh, okay, so it got <laughs> interesting. Uh, but my other other fear was, you know, donors, donor intervention, right. donor involvement, and maybe donor over-involvement. And ironically, one of the biggest blessings of my life uh, are the donors I've been able to interface sure. with and interact with and develop relationships with, and uh, not, not just myself, but uh, usually it's a, it's a joint thing. Mary and I are both involved with... Uh, the people that have been supportive of our program, and I've learned so much from so many people. And you know, you can name a lot of people. Start with Henry Tippy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who I didn't know up until 2010, 2011, and then really we we just uh, grew to have a really unique and very um, uh, you know great relationship that I'm very appreciative of. Uh, but yeah, you interface with all these people, and you just get so much wisdom. And you know, they're not not trying to lecture you about what they do right. or you know give you tips, but it's. Uh, just listening to them talk about their stories and how they were successful. Uh, There are an awful lot of parallels and an awful lot of things you can learn from from people that have experience and wisdom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the the idea of kind of budgets and some of these things that you wouldn't get hit up with as an NFL coach. I mean, do you... Talk a bit about, like, a program budget and how that works in, in college football. Like, what's the organizational structure of, like, that with, within a college football program like this? And how involved are you in in some of that process?
1: You know, this is interesting. I, I was head coach at Maine for three years at 1AA school back then. They called them 1AA, now it's FCS. Um, and I was a lot more involved in budgets there and had to be aware of everything. And I, I was told, uh, you know, Coach Fry's answer on budget questions always was, well, you know, we need what we need to win. And that was his <laughs> yeah. focus on uh, being successful. And that's, that's really kind of been the situation here, uh, at a place like Maine where, you know, you just don't have a budget. And that, that's true of most FCS schools. Um, then you come to a big 10 school like this, it's, it's well supported. Um, you know, it's never really been an issue. I don't think, uh, outside of, you know, trying to build facilities, trying to add and, and grow. Uh, and that's, that's something that, you know, we've embraced and, uh, you know, taken ownership in, but, uh, for our, our you know day to day, it's a world of difference from the FCS. It's been one of the great things. and then you know, the other flip side of that is I don't think we've ever asked for things. We're not, not extravagant in our taste, if you will. So we've tried to be reasonable. Uh, if we do ask for something, there, there usually is a really good reason. Uh, and, and we're able to justify this is why we need this, and this is why it's important. Uh, training table comes to, to mind right off the bat. Uh, when the NCAA allowed us, I think it was in '14 to start feeding our athletes. Yeah, you know we've really done a we great job. We got like a carton of milk back in. The, oh my gosh. back in the yeah. old days, yeah. But bagel with no cream cheese <laughs> yeah. or you know whatever. So uh, budget was a little tighter back then. All those sure. crazy rules they had, but. Um, I know we're at the upper end of spending money on our, our food for our players, but it makes so much sense only because they train so hard that's a big part of what we do. Uh, they train hard, they burn a lot of calories and they need to have those replenished and they need supplements so they can grow and develop and um, so you know, I think you know the administration's always understood that we typically don't ask or don't emphasize something unless we really think it's important and going to be integral to our success and the success of our players.
0: yeah. And I know the the fr- you know I don't call them frills, but maybe they are. You know, you, you look around social media; and teams have a whole variety of different things in their facilities, whether it be bowling alleys or slides or whatever that might be. I'm, I'm guessing that may not weave the greatest into kind of the into Iowa football and the culture <laughs> yeah, here a little bit. Know, There's got to be an end to it, right? Like it's not like an end, it's not like Santa's Christmas list.
1: I always joke with our guys; like I don't really don't care if you're an All Big Ten pool player or a bowler. <laughs> you know, I really yeah. don't care about that. I'm not against it, but. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when they're the building, we're, we're being pretty functional. That there are spots for our guys to relax and enjoy each other, but uh, uh, yeah, we're not. I know when we went out and looked at tour facility or you know did a facility tour 15, 20 years ago, uh, some places you know saw waterfalls, all kinds of crazy stuff that really didn't <laughs> right. seem to have much function. So yeah, we kind of steered away from that.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I think one of the things that uh, that I loved when I was playing here that I know you guys still is is a key ingredient for you all is. Kind of that continuous education and that personal professional development and reading. I mean, you got you've done a really great job all the way through your career here of having a couple books that are a big part of the the program. Are there? I got a couple questions around that component specifically. How do you go about picking those books? Are there a couple books through your career that have really stood out that would maybe be relevant to folks in the beyond sports or football into the into the business world about? you know, whether it be leadership or professional development, whatever that might be. And then talk a bit about, you know, where that came from. I know mean, you teacher yep. at heart, and that's where it all started for you. But, you um, know, I know the players, and at least when we were here, and I know it still does, but, it's, you know, it's really resonated with them. And you're able to kind of pull some quotes that become the mottos for the season and talk a bit about, you know, books and reading and, and those sort of things.
1: I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I have a habit of collecting articles or I'll print them out or whatever and just throw them in a briefcase. If I'm on a plane or something, read them and – probably 15 years ago. I don't know when it was, but I read an article out of a coaching magazine um, about a competition they did internally with their football team. Uh, I believe the strength coach at Kent State was the guy who authored the article, and he started at Southern Illinois, I believe, mm-hmm. if my memory's correct. So I, I took it to our strength staff, and Chris Doyle grabbed it and kind of headed it up, and we formed uh, what we call the Hawkeye Championship. It's an internal competition we do from January till August. Um, we, we divide you know, the team's Team first of all have a couple of weeks after uh, after we begin the winter program they elect captains, and then we uh, draft teams and have competition that runs um, throughout that that eight month period, if you will. Uh, it's geared towards what they're doing in the strength conditioning field, but also there's a component for academic achievement, just uh, doing things right, you mm-hmm. know, being being on time and where they're supposed to be and doing quality work. Uh, they can can uh, pick up bonus points through. Uh, just, you know, teams having a perfect week, if you will, for all the criteria that are set. Sure. Um, you know, they go out and do community service projects, things like that, meals together. So it's, it's, it's grown into a really, I think, um, a good activity, and our players really respond to it well. And then uh, part, part of the deal is, too, we do, uh, we do uh, book, book work and uh, uh, team building things uh, as, as units and then also together. And so that's kind of where the book part got uh, got involved. in the strength staff is, uh, you know, they're the ones who kind of picked the books. Chris Doyle got it going, had a lot of great books that we did. And uh, we've, we've, you know, varied back and forth and tinkered with that. And then uh, Ray has continued the same thing. Ray Braithwaite's done a great job, too, with it. So... Uh, that, that's part of this deal and that, that, that starts probably in February, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then with our, our captains, we'll also read a separate book, but the, the book we've settled into the, which, which all of our players read is slight edge at some point when they come in, they enter into the program, they read that book, slight edge, slight Slight edge. Uh, Jeff Olson, I think Mm -hmm. is the author and it's, it's just so simple that it's, it's so many good illustrations of things that all of us can do in our lives, maybe to, uh, just be a little bit more efficient and a little bit more productive with what we do. Uh, culture code is one of the books that we read that sure. I thought was really great. Um, you know, so we've had several books that, uh, through the years, do hard things was this year's read. So that, that, that jumps around a little bit, but, uh, you know, there's always great things. Legacies, another one going, you know, going back a few sure. years. Um, that's one great thing. There's just an awful lot out there of information that you can pull from and, um, you know, leads to good discussion and Absolutely. some, some way ties in with what you're doing yeah. as a program.
0: You've always been great about passing the the articles out. What's your process? I mean, how do you put them through the filter and find one that's that's worthy? I mean, are you a, a big morning reader? How are you How are you digesting your news typically? People yeah. sending you stuff, or
1: yeah, p- people. A lot of it is just you know, I'm not that smart, but I have some smart friends that send me stuff <laughs> that's interesting, and uh, uh, there's there's always something to pick from from all, all worlds, uh, walks of the world. There was a nice article, um, a friend of mine sent me after the. Um, Buffett Summit last yeah, I think it was yeah, last yeah. month, you know, some good good yep. uh, pearls of wisdom there. Buffett's good for those, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, there's so many, just common sense. Cool. You know, you think about Buffett, and I, I go right to Henry Tippie. There are a lot of parallels there in terms of, you know, what comes out of their mouths. Uh, but just in the sports world, um, you know, you think about pool holes. There's, you know, he ended up having a great year last year, and he was on the brink of quitting, I guess, earlier in the year. There's a good article I've got on my desk on that one. But the sporting world, you know, right on through uh, recently – uh, Kerr, um, uh, uh, Steve Kerr, Steve yeah. Kerr yep. last week was talking, I think it was last week mm-hmm. talking about, uh, just how the trust in the, in the organization had been eroded this year a little bit. And he thought that was the main difference between interesting uh, yeah. them being a championship team and not. So, you know, there's always things out there if you just kind of pay attention and there are certain things that just kind of pique my interest, whether I, I see them, uh, scanning, uh, news articles where somebody sent them to me and, uh, there's always way to, ways to tie those things in. Uh, I still frequently distribute a quote that I'll attribute to, that you attributed to me, but uh, just about, <laughs> I probably, you know. I
0: probably borrowed it from her. You or I did, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, focusing on the details, you yeah. know, one day at a time, all those kinds of things. So yep. uh, some some messages just are timeless.
0: Have you found that have the kids, twenty? you know,
1: back in, again,
0: back to the old days when, I, when we all came in here in the early 2000s, Do you feel like that stuff resonates with them? There's so much information out there, especially during social media, there's little tidbits of it. And I guess that sort of dovetails with the broader question around, you know, how have 18 to 22-year-old men, in your view, sort of changed uh, over the course of the last 25 years? How have you had to maybe change the way that you've had to develop and motivate them? Have you observed anything in particular that's changed about guys that age that that are coming in?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I'll I'll go back way back, um, you know, when I went to college, it was the early '70s. It was right after um, Vietnam was, you know, yeah. just finally coming to an end. Uh, the civil rights movement. There, there was a really, it was a really crazy period in our country. The late '60s, um, and just, you know, I was a kid at that point, and I'm just looking around like, you know, it had to be a tough time to be a coach. Had to be a tough time, absolutely, uh, to be an educator, to be a parent. A really challenging time. Yeah, and I would suggest, uh, you know, the last 15 years maybe are the same thing, only because of social media. Uh, and for, for all the good things, I mean, the first thing I always think about when I think about good things, that's how the wave all started. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman in Anita, Iowa, Christy Young, came up with the idea and went on social media and said, wouldn't it be great if? Yeah. And at least that's that's my version of how the wave got, got started. Spread so, the good ideas, yeah. Yeah, and it just it became, a it mushroomed into a beautiful thing. Uh, but for every one of those, there's so yeah. many things that are, you know, yeah, just... The idea is maybe every go, oh, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, um, long winded answer. I, I don't think players have changed at all. I don't think people have changed that much, but I think the influences have. Yeah. And, you know, as a coach, you just, you know, you always, I think you've always got to be in tune to what your audience is. Uh, what are the influences that uh, our players are, are, you know, being affected by? And then, you know, the, the key thing is trying to be proactive. And I've, I've always felt like that was, you know, part of our job, you know, going back 40 years ago. Uh, you really have to understand uh, if you're working with people, you have to try to understand, you know, where, where do they come from? What are their influences and what, what kind of voices are they hearing? And and now I think the biggest difference is there are just so many voices out there and, and they're not all healthy. You know, I think that's the other big difference right now. Yeah, uh, It's hard to find anybody really trying to promote, you know, the value of teamwork or, you know, the essence of, uh, you know, working hard and yep. the beauty of it and all that kind of stuff. So uh, to me, just try to take a, a proactive approach and an easy example to cherry pick last year. You know, we're, we're three and three. Um, lost two in a row, I guess it would have been. And uh, a couple three point losses of those three losses go to Ohio State and just get smashed. Uh, and it was not pretty, obviously, uh, for anybody there, anybody paying attention. So you know we come back here we're three and four and you know I'm not there I'm not out looking for the negativity mm-hmm. but I can only imagine you know I'm, they're hearing it yeah yeah we're hearing it in here and uh, I can only imagine what our guys our guys are hearing out in the real world so you know just understand that you got to really be proactive and try to uh, get your players to understand that you know the noise really doesn't matter what matters is what we're, we're doing what we're doing together how we're thinking how we're talking to each other and what we're doing to uh, you know find a solution because you know the challenges were very obvious at that point and i think that's typically what happens in life when you get into a situation where there's some adversity you know everybody can tell you what the problem is but nobody's really good at coming up with solutions or you know what's our path out of this so uh that that's where i think you know you got to really try to encourage players to put their focus there and then also realize too a lot of that noise really has come from people they don't know or they really don't care about right uh one thing i've learned in life is like you know i'm what, what people that really mean a lot to me, what they think does, is, is important. And uh, there are a lot of people in those categories. You know, it d- depends on what the topic is. But uh, football, for instance, like, yeah, I do care what our former players, our good former players think. That's mm-hmm. important to me. Uh, my mentors, the people who have been good to me in my career, that's really important to me. What do they think about what we're doing? Right. O- outside of that, it's, a you know, there's not, not a real big circle there. So, you know, being able to, to filter some of those things, I think is a real challenge for people. Yeah,
0: I bet. I bet. <laughs> you see that just that generational divide. I mean, even folks i consider myself a little old, but yeah, the, that impact of social media yeah. and being able to, you know, back in my day, if you miss a few field goals and you're on the cover of the, the newspaper, you just don't buy the newspaper that day. Yep. But if you're active on social media and whatever else, it's, it's hard to, hard to avoid it. Right. But it's, just nature- it, people
1: are so aggressive with their criticism yeah. or it's, their it's suggestions. Awful. And yep. it's, uh, uh, it's entertaining to me. I'm just recently here in Boston played terribly in game three. Um, you know, and who knows what they're going to do tonight? But just interesting to you know the reaction, and and I was disappointed because one of the players on their team came out with a little commentary, I believe, is uh, during the off day, and and that's not a good sign, as you know, yeah. Uh, when somebody internally is is not you know not on board, and um, so it just. But everybody feels compelled so much today yep. to talk maybe more so than they did 30 years ago.
0: My time at, with San Diego, they always said that the PR team would come in during training camp. They'd have their hour and a half, but it's great. And I'm sure maybe you guys do the same thing, but they'd have their their hit list of the worst, you know, the worst yep. 20 tweets or the worst quotes in the paper from teammates from across sports. That's always a uh, a good way to deter future uh, <laughs> always interesting <laughs> negative things is just put up there some of the bonehead stuff. People have huh. tweeted or posted whatever that might look like. But yeah, that's... Fascinating stuff. I got a, a you know a bunch of topics I want to hit on here. Um, recruiting and specifically about this region of recruiting folks here. I mean, obviously businesses, uh, you know, that's one of the challenges is the the human resources and uh, getting people into into this region that may be trying to move from somewhere else. How, what, when you guys are out recruiting new players and even staff that that may be new to the Iowa City region or Eastern Iowa, what what shows the best here in the region? And then if you know, give me one or two things that you want to show off or you tell them this is the best thing about coming to this region. And then what's one thing that if you had a wish list you could put here that would make living here more attractive? That, that's a great other question. than mountains or ocean. That, we can't, those are off limits. We're not going to, uh, I was going to say the that. weather is the biggest deterrent. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And I do. I do cover the mountains and ocean with players, yeah. with players, recruits. But no
0: one recruits. I mean, free, you, free you guys, that, that's, a, that's a big deal, recruiting. I think there's a lot people can take from your guys' approach to that.
1: It is, and I think this, the single biggest asset that we have, I think, is just the people of our state, and I, I experienced that in 1981 when I came here uh, growing up in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I, You know, Pittsburghers tend to be a little provincial, and I certainly was in that category. Uh, I thought Chicago was like the end of civilization. I didn't know there was anything beyond it. And so when I had a chance to interview with Coach Fry. Uh, first question was, you know, where exactly is Iowa? Uh, I knew where Chicago was and had a look on a map to figure that out. And then second question was, why would anybody live in Iowa? Like, what, what do you do there? Like, you know, I just couldn't, uh, but, but what I experienced was when I came here for the interview, uh, to me, it was what I did know campus wise, Penn state was like the ultimate of a college campus right. in my mind growing up in Pittsburgh and uh, came here and found out Iowa City is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's a very vibrant, uh, very vibrant college town with uh, you know just a lot of activity, a lot a lot available to it. Um, and then, you know, Mary kind of went through the same thing. You know, we, we moved out here. in, in full disclosure, our, our initial intent was my first full-time job in college coaching. So my intent was to get a resume started and then get back east as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of us just fell in love with the lifestyle here uh, and the quality of life. Uh, we started our family two years later and, uh, four of our five kids were born at the university hospital. Ironically, the one that was born in Cleveland is our most Iowan. Mary pointed that out cause he went K through 12 and then college here. So, yeah. um, you know, so our kids are Iowans if you will. Uh, but yeah, well, the thing that really attracted us is just the quality of life the people, um, people's openness and what they, you know, if they ask you here, how how you doing? They really mean it. At yeah. least most people do. And, uh, so there's a really uniqueness there. And I think that's, there's a sneak attack element for people when they come here, if you're not from, they gotta be around it a little bit. Yeah. 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 Once you get here, it's like, it, it doesn't take long for it to hit you and resonate. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it's probably not for you, but I think with a lot of people we've, we've seen that we've seen that a lot of recruits and their families, they just are really surprised taken, taken back. Now from a professional standpoint, uh, you know, just your quality of life and your the value of your dollar in the Midwest as opposed to either coast. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's a great recruiting tool. And well, it's one thing if you could put, if you could drop something in.
0: What's a wish list item that you could? You know, I wish our weather s- was better. Yeah, yeah I and
1: mean, can't do anything about that either. But yeah. uh,
0: even if it's a kind of restaurant or you know, you're, I know you're the, a big coffee guy. Ga- yeah.
1: The only yeah. other thing I would say is a, an airport where you could fly more places nonstop. Yeah, that, that's the other. Um, but that, that's part of the Midwest, and that's also part of the airline industry now because yeah. there's a lot less choices than there were 35 years ago. Yep, uh, I'm old enough to speak to that. Uh, so, you know, but outside of that, I mean, there's there's not a lot. And I think there's just so much available for so many people. And I've made this observation. I've been here in my 20s now through my 60s. Uh, I tried to get my parents to move here uh, at one point. Um, and they, they didn't. You know, Pittsburgh was their home, so I got that. But... I thought it'd be great for my, my mom and dad to be around the grandkids more frequently. Yep, uh, great medical care. My dad loves sports, so all the sports activities. My mom would have loved it here. Uh, she has roots in Iowa, actually. So you know, I think for whatever age group you're looking at, it's it's really yeah. you know, it's just a really good place to be.
0: Absolutely. Um, I want to hit on just change management and innovation. I think fo- football, especially college football, is unique in the sense of people always coming and going. Right? You got you got new, new players coming in and. They're they're going to leave. That's that's part of the deal, and then of course innovating. I think back to you know I think it was maybe 2000 or eighteen 2019 when you guys switched over to the different off day during the yep. week. Which if anybody out there knows football or sports coaches are pretty and players were pretty much creatures of habit. So that it may sound like kind of an insignificant thing in terms of which day you give your players off, but it's a very significant thing. And I think Iowa football was one of the first um, you know if not yep. you know first first adopters to that sort of philosophy. How would you Sum up your approach to to change and innovation. Um, you know, especially someone that's been here for twenty five years. I mean, how, how do you, how do you approach that, and how do you try to implement that throughout the organization?
1: You know, two two obvious. I'll cherry pick two things to examples. So the the uh, off day thing was was a byproduct of our fourteen season, and um, you know, I, I fully understand and appreciate uh, how teams get evaluated uh, by the public and the media. Basically, it's your win-loss record, just in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. That's what it gets down to. And I've always resisted that. To me, I've always, always judged uh, every week, every game, um, and then every season by just the feel and, you know, how we operated. Uh, did we maximize the opportunities in front of us? And that's, you know, there's daily challenges, basically hourly challenges. So, uh, And in football, you know, did we do it in a smart way and were, were we together on it? You know, did we all work towards uh, the common goal? Fourteen uh, is a great illustration, and that's really uh, it was one of the more frustrating years uh, for me, as personally as a coach. Uh, I think about '08. I think about last year, two two years where we won eight games uh, in 08, I think I think we won eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Doesn't really matter, but it wasn't ten, eleven, twelve. But that was one of my, my one of more more gratifying, satisfying years. Thirteen was the same way, you know, where you're coming out of a period where you weren't really happy. And uh, we really responded and did a great job, and uh, felt really good at the end of the year. As, as good then as you know, after winning the Orange Bowl in '09, in, uh, 2010 January. So going back to '14, it was just one of those years where nothing was easy. Right. We just we just never never hit stride. We never really got in gear uh, thinking about beating Ball State out here in Kinnick. With all due respect to Ball State and it was not a good Ball State team. They've had some <laughs> good teams that was not one. Yeah. And we gotta pull a two minute drill basically out of our butts to, you know, to win the game. So that was kind of a, a Kodak moment. And that, that offseason we spent a lot of time just talking about everything, you know, went through every aspect. When you um, say everything, you mean everything. I mean recording Saturday Saturday, operation. Yeah. Every, yep. What are we doing? You know, just look, looking at everything. Talk um, a bit because, about
0: the structure to that. Is that is that something that happens sort of right after the season and you're you're kind of tasking different folks throughout the organization hey we want to look at every you know nutrition recruiting exactly and you're kind of having a week of meetings and you're kind of people throwing ideas and
1: so we finished the season bowl game i think it was uh, late december early january is the, the uh, some people call it the hawk slayer bowl uh attack slayer bowl yeah. down in jacksonville against tennessee and so we, we uh, had recruiting that next month but during that time procuring information and just you know compiling some information and then when everybody got off the road in February, we spent a couple of weeks just going through everything in the program, whether it was, you know, facilities, uh, the way we practice, the way we structure of things, you know, whether it's practice, you know, from start to finish, uh, the weekly plan, just basically a lot of discussion on a lot of things. And, and during the uh, month of January, encourage guys to, you know, get information from other schools too, and just kind of, you know, kick some ideas around. And so that was a focal point of it. We went through everything, and that's, that's really where we uh, made a, a major shift, two major shifts first of all, we went to morning practices and there was an academic component to that. That was the first, first component, you know, ask Liz Tovar, is it going to be better or worse? I was frustrated because we had the, uh, we're practicing in the afternoon and it seems like, you know, there's budget cuts going on, less classes available. So we had more guys coming late and more guys leaving early. So you're losing guys at both end, uh, both ends of the practice. And I'm, I'm wondering about messaging, like what, who's missing what message. Sure. And, um, so Liz said, yeah, it would be a lot better. And then there's a, a you know, um, physical component to it, too. You know, it's been proven you're better off yeah, doing morning, uh, morning yeah. workouts. These are on the
0: heels of that 2014 exactly. season, some of these changes, yeah.
1: So we had every reason to move to morning practices. And then really the, the thing you referenced, going to a Thursday off day as opposed to Monday, traditionally Sunday, Monday, either mm-hmm. one of those two days is what everybody does. Uh, and the only team I know that's going against that, uh, Indiana did it, interestingly enough. Uh, Mid season in '15. Uh, don't ask me how they did that. I'm still shaking my head, and I don't think they they still do it. No, <laughs> yeah, it Kevin Wilson was there, yeah, uh, he didn't he didn't interview me before the game. He interrogated me. It was unbelievable <laughs> when we played him, uh, and I was told he shifted the next week. But um, that was one of the scarier things we did. Greg Davis, a veteran coach, is on our staff, and those first three or four uh, Thursdays of that '15 season, I'm looking at him and going, "Greg, what do you think?" And he's looking at me like. I don't know, but everything was going really well, yeah. and uh, so we just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it was pretty sure it was gonna happen. It didn't, and we still do it that way. and then That's the interesting great. interesting thing is there were a lot of byproducts of making the shifts that we made, uh, three, four, five, you know uh, things that popped up that were a lot better than what we've been doing previously. I would love to tell you we knew that at the onset that that was going to happen, but those are things we discovered through the process. So yeah, I guess the moral of the story is sometimes, you know, you take a risk or take a chance and it really can pay off for you and, yep. in ways you don't even think about or, or aren't smart enough to th- anticipate. So that's one thing. And then uh, uh, an easy one to cherry pick right now, most recently is this portal NIL stuff. It's yep. just uh, changed our world so much. And, it was upsetting, uh, unsettling, you know, whatever. Uh, it doesn't make sense to have both those take place at the same time. Um, and I think we've got some real issues that are going to have to be addressed here somewhere in the next couple of years or or college football is going to be at risk in my opinion. But, uh, in the meantime, you have to adjust with it. And I think what we, uh, you know, first, my first initial uh, brush with this whole thing was like, you know, it's kind of frustrating, uh made me start wondering how much longer I want to do this, if this mm-hmm. is going to be the world we live in. But then you, know, you start thinking a little bit, and I started thinking back to some past players. I think about Cherry picked three of them real easily. Um, Jack Keflin came here as a grad transfer out of northern Illinois. Not the prettiest car on the lot, but a great guy and a really good player. And he kind of had the same experience. He played really great for us in 2020. And goes up to Green Bay as a free agent and makes their roster that year as a uh, you know they 53 man as a as an undrafted free agent and and Jack was a really good player but an even better guy yeah. so you know we were able to benefit from him um, uh, Zach Van Valkenburg comes from Hillsdale College a Division two program. You know, you really couldn't judge the competition, but he was a high effort guy and a highly intelligent guy. Russian studies, first one I've met, <laughs> and the only one I've met. And I asked him, you yeah, know, what the hell are you going to do with that? Yeah. Uh, Russian Did studies, you reach graduate a good Tolstoy school, Tolstoy or something. That's about, yeah. uh, he wants to be a CIA agent, yeah. which, look which look you know, you don't go. bet against him. But yeah. uh, you know, well, it might he be end, paying off for him here now. Ended up being a great player for us. And then the other guy is Makai Sargent, who we just kind of lucked into. Uh, Calvin Bell saw him in a, um, a bowl game in December. Uh, whatever year it would have been, 18, 19, probably 18, December. And then we had an injury, uh, unanticipated injury that spring, the next spring. And uh, KB had told me about him in December, and I just remembered him. I said, hey, tell me more about the guy at Iowa Western. And uh, he was eligible. He was not there because of grades. He was there because he didn't get recruited. So he he joined us uh, that that summer and uh, ended up being just a great addition to our team. I believe that would have been nineteen uh, summer of 19. Yeah. It was a senior in 20 was a captain co-captain or 21 co-captain for us. Unbelievable guys. So all three of those silver guys, lining
0: there. Yeah. People coming in some new scenery in. transferring
1: up. Yep. High, high of a level of appreciation for playing in the big 10. Uh, they were hungry. They were great guys, great team members of Mackay, All three of them were great leaders. Mackay ended up being a captain, voted a captain and all three had NFL. Uh, a couple of them are still active. Well, all three of them are still active with the NFL. So, uh, Fast forward to last, last off season, I told our guys at staff, I said, you know, you know, we've, we've benefited from this. Let's just be smart about how we go about it. Yep. So I think that's a key thing is you just, if you're going to bring new, new players in, whether it's recruits, which obviously we've been doing on an annual basis. Now you're looking in the transfer market. It's just a, you just got to be really careful. And I I also learned a a great lesson. My first year in the NFL was the first year of free agency. And uh, we we made a, a really critical mistake in '94. Uh, After the '94 season, we thought we were one player away from you know from being there. We couldn't beat the Steelers; they were there our nemesis. Uh, we were whatever we were twelve and six in the '94 season. Three of the six losses were the Steelers. We thought we were one player away, and it's the same thing as going to the grocery store hungry. Right. It's just a bad deal. Yeah. And uh, so, just you know, being prudent and being being thoughtful and being you know st- sticking to your process, I guess, was the key key yeah. lesson
0: and All this hitting at once, the NIL and the transfer portal. It's, yeah, it's, um, I can imagine it's pretty tricky to navigate without a doubt, but it's uh, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> a lot let, to learn.
0: Yeah, like you said, hopefully it kind of levels off or there's some corrective action that happens there to kind of make it, make it better for everybody. Cause I'm with you. I think the, you know, the essence of college football is, is at risk in certain ways without I, a doubt, but
1: you can't, you can't do anything long term. I don't believe. Um, Without structure, you just can't do it. And yeah. Right now, we don't have that. So, yeah.
0: a little wild westy out there. The and the moment. NFL
1: does have structure. Right. They got a salary yeah. cap. Everything's very transparent. Yeah, and that's that's what we need to get. Yeah, yeah. 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 just decide what the rules are going to be, and let's absolutely let's get them on the table.
0: Uh, you know, brand identity is a big thing, and in the business world, not unlike sports. I think the Iowa football has a very unique brand as you look at it vis-a-vis some others out there throughout the college football landscape. In a couple sentences, how would you define the Iowa football brand?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good at that. Um,
0: <laughs> put your mark, put your don, you know your marketing hat on, your madman.
1: Yeah, I, I guess you know. I hope uh, when people watch our teams play, they see teams that are first and all planned together. You know, in all, all three phases, and and that's that's one of the great misnomers. And I, I know you've heard this lecture from me. Uh, I, I took this one from Chuck Noll. Uh, I think a lot of times people have a real misconception about what true teamwork is you know there is there is no 50 50 or you know 33 and a third 33 and a third 33 and a third you know true true teamwork uh first of all it's everybody in the organization bringing their best every day that that's where it all starts everybody has to do that but then you know also realizing in the real world that you know not every day is going to be a great day and uh, i think that's the essence of teamwork you know where, where one you know one phase might not be working then another phase has to be working or compensate and you know think back to that 0-2 season which you're part of um you know we, we got outplayed by purdue offensively and defensively that day and if it weren't for the special team segment you know we, we had no chance to win that football game so yeah you know that that's just part of the whole thing and then you know um you know name a game michigan it was a whole different deal but that that whole thing got triggered by a special teams play, uh, Bob Sanders, you know, not going to punt loose and we, we get the turnover and, you know, going from there. Each one stepping up when they that teamwork. Yeah. It's just, you know, every – every you can go back through. So, I uh, really understand what teamwork is. I hope people see that, that our, our teams embrace that. And then I, I also hope they see a team that's going to play hard, be aggressive, you know, play with passion and, uh, you know, look like they really care about each other. And, uh, you know, play play with great, great effort. And then the yeah, other component, I think, in sports is, you know, just trying to play smart and not, not right. making it easy for your opponent. Don't hand them things, uh, especially things that are unearned. And, you know, I think all those things kind of carry over to real life too. You know, whether yeah. you're raising a family or, you know, whatever it may be that you're doing, those, those are key components. You know, the, just,
0: Yeah, the one thing that stuck with me being a – player here, and I think that was a commonality between Reese Morgan, who was my high school coach at West High, I would say a pillar of the Iowa football brand under your guidance has been sort of this instilling in the players this love of of, of hard work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not, not shying down from the challenge and pride in a job well done, kind of that lunch pail mentality. I think that's that's certainly gone a long way to to the success here. And I, you know, I'd like to think that that's a, a key part of the brand identity.
1: You know, as long as there's a scoreboard, we're trying to win, you right. know, and there is going to be yeah. a scoreboard in college and winning, football. Winning is fun so too, right? That's, it's a, we <laughs> all learned it in business. second grade. It's yeah. a lot more fun People to be on to the be winning a team. Yep. So it, it is. And I just, I, you, you don't see many things in life that are significant accomplishments talking about that are significant where, uh, hard work wasn't involved. And then also failure, yeah. typically. You know, most people fail a but back lot Back to the more. social
0: media. I mean, now yeah. you just pull it up and, hey, there's this billionaire. He he did this. You know, it's just people jump ahead of all the other. Yeah. No, no one wants to post on Twitter or Instagram all the hard work it took or the, usually the uh, ugliness. Long road. Yeah, to, yeah. It's usually to to a long part. road. Yep. Absolutely. Speaking of winning, what's, uh, you know, take take us inside the Ferentz house after a big win. Like, what's a, what's a perfect night look like for you guys after <laughs> after a big win? How do you, How do you prefer to celebrate?
1: So a perfect night would be 11 o'clock kickoff. We're home game. In the morning, or I'm actually yep. home uh, by 5 or 6 o'clock. Okay. Uh, that would be perfect. So that rarely that happens. You watching more uh,
0: football that night? Are you getting away from football or yeah, dinner? I mean, or?
1: It'll be on, but I'm, I'm not watching it too closely unless there's somebody on there I care about, which the chances of that are really pretty minimal. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the team I care about most just got done playing, so... Uh, and, and as you know, at the end of the week, you're just like, you're pretty well tapped out. Like you you put everything into it and you're pretty well tapped out, uh, if there's family there, that's great. And usually there is some form of family. Uh, and then our, you know, we're not real social. So, I mean, it's just, you know, we may have friends in town, uh, cherry pick John bridge. I taught school with him back in the seventies at Worcester Academy. He, Ken O'Keefe, Mike Sherman, I all taught school together. Uh, John's the only smart guy. He got an MBA. He retired prior at age 55. He comes in a lot, and he shows up. Hangs we call out. him big, Gen, big Game John Bridge. He shows up for the big <laughs> Brings ones. Brings good luck, yeah. Usually good luck, guys. So... Um, yeah, but if somebody's at the house, that's great. Just yeah. the time to, to cook it in a little and, bit and, and hang. Yeah, we'll what's, cook. What's yeah. the
0: perfect meal? Like it, you just beat the number one ranked, you know, you, you Michigan or Ohio State. Like, well, what's 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 coach's best ideal so, meal after so a Big if One? So there's
1: food there. I'm happy. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, something. A, I'm always starving. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, unfortunately, Mary, they usually like eat in the press box. So yeah, they're full. They they're don't. not so worried about yeah. me. So any kind of food would be good with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. Um, Talk a bit about morning routine. I mean, that's always something interesting. Folks like to study, you know, high achievers and what they do in the morning. What does, you know, the first hour of your day look like on a, on a perfect work day? doesn't have to be a game day, but just you're coming into the office, and what's, what's a morning routine look like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, if, if it's in-season, um, you know, when you get here, you're pretty much in, immersed in what you're doing, and we're... Um, Kicking the day off right away. Be, and, being a morning outfit, yeah, our special teams will kick the day off. Special teams meeting, so in-season the earliest that would be, it would be, would be six forty five, but typically, you know, seven, seven 15, try not to start anything before six if we can. Uh, but that's the first segment. So I'll get in and, you know, clean some stuff up, whatever it is from the night before. Get in uh, about
0: five six
1: or Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark, depending on the day. You, know, you putting then.
0: a four on the, on the alarm clock. That's the one that always makes me cringe is when I you... uh, try not to Yeah, try not to definitely. <laughs> that's all Yeah.
1: Yeah. Five 30 area in season again, we're talking about, yeah. and then, uh, out of season is a little bit different, but, uh, Although spring ball, we, we actually start earlier in spring ball because the practices are a little bit longer. So, but yeah, that, that first, you know, hour is just to kind of get my thoughts organized, make sure I got everything where I want it, uh, maybe clean up a little project here and there, that type of thing. And then we'll get the day rolling with our meetings, practice, and everything kind of goes on yeah. flow post that.
0: Coffee, how many cups of coffee in the uh,
1: in no a good limit. morning? Yeah, no limit on that. Uh, <laughs> just keep filling it up and rolling. Come, come in with a 20 ouncer. And then, uh, yeah, I really don't keep track, although. You know, fair fair routine right now is, you know, 20 ounces and then two 10 ounces. I
0: know you're a big Starbucks guy. What's your go to roast?
1: Just uh, whatever dark roast they got. Okay. That's what I'll take. Straight. I'm with you. Straight. Yeah.
0: No no pumps of vanilla or anything. No. Anything crazy. Um, You get nervous before games? Either butterflies or what's the... Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Eager. uh, Eager and anxious. uh, Definitely. And uh, hopefully not nervous. Nervous means we had a really bad week, but. yeah, more an- always anxious. Yeah, more anxious. Yeah, and it, it's because you want things to go well. You have obviously. tips for
0: dealing with anxiety like that, whether someone's going and giving uh, a big presentation or they got a big sales pitch or whatever. Is there anything that helps you kind of calm the? I know usually once you probably get out and warm ups and you're moving around a little bit, those sort of seem to reside. But
1: still searching uh, for, <laughs> for answers there. Uh, one thing that uh, makes you feel better. It's um, I remember somebody introduced Bill Parcells at a deal. This was probably 15 years ago. But they, they were telling me how nervous he was, and it was at a he was speaking at a clinic at a college or wherever it was, and afterwards it was like you know did I do okay, and it's just a, a, for whatever reason that sticks in my mind because here's a guy who, you know, has probably given a lot of speeches in his life. From the outside, doesn't look like Bill Sar- Bill Parcells cares about any what anybody thinks about anything. Yeah. Yet he you know he had anxiety too, and I I still to this date anytime I get in front of people I really don't know very well or even people I do know very well if it's a group outing you know you want it, you want to you want to be right just kind of like playing a game you want yep. it to be right so um yeah there's always a little bit of anxiety and I think anxiety helps us do better too I think it helps drive performance quite frankly yep. as long as you can control it and keep it in a healthy spot
0: that's what I tell the kids that I work with is I mean I was kind of a kicker I mean the nerves and pressure yep. and anxiety those kind of go hand in hand with it. I never really got great at any of it but that's what I kind of tell the kids it almost it's sort of that necessary evil because Absolutely. it makes you elevate your game a little bit when you're out there and like yeah, I got nervous and I was kicking in Iowa football even in practice or yep. in front of a couple people because there's a lot on the line and that's just sort of part of the part of the deal when that when the results have consequences right or uh, when the actions have some some sort of consequence behind it. But that's just kind of it makes you elevate your performance. It gets you the the you know the laser beam eyes going and makes you focus yep. on what you have to get
1: done. To me, it means you care. Yeah. You care about performance and that's that's a good thing. But to your, yeah, to your point, it's got to be in a healthy way. And once it starts getting outside the rails, yeah, it's probably where it's a good time to get a little help maybe. Um, just two more
0: questions here before we, before we wrap it up, this man, we could, I mean, I could soak up a couple, three more hours of your time here, but I know you got to get back to, this is your, your month of downtime. So no sense in soaking up too much of it. But, um, as you look back on your kind of 25 years, if you were to kind of define your leadership or management style, how would you sum that up?
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. I first, first comment I'd make and, um, uh, did an event last Friday, um, kind of like a town hall kind of deal, which was, was kind of a cool thing. It was a little different. Um, and it goes back to one of the earlier points you made about uh, the, the questioner, the interviewer uh, brought something up on Friday night that was like really put things in perspective uh, and you're going through it from the other end. But uh, he mentioned that, you know, most of the players I coach right now I'm working with were born <laughs> after I got here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that that still blows my mind a little bit. And in, in the fact that like, you know, I've never really thought about the longevity aspect, certainly our first uh, 20 games. I wasn't thinking about it. We were two and 18, so <laughs> survival, uh, at that uh, yeah, point, survival. yeah, survival was strictly on, on the uh, agenda at that point. But, but the bigger picture there, things really haven't changed uh, an awful lot. So when I was a line coach, my goal is to try to be the best line coach I could be. And I, I never had the dream or vision of being a head coach. It was never on my list of things I wanted to do. It was not a goal. But it just kind of happened organically, if you will. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure quite exactly how I fell into this role, and yeah, it's a story in itself. Um, but here, you know, here I am, 20 plus years later, and and that's a little daunting if you do allow yourself to look back and start thinking about it. It's like it's a long time. Uh, <laughs> but my point is, like you know, I've, I've really it's kind of gotten that way because you're just you're just kind of shifting shifting gears, and it's on to the next thing. So certainly, like any job, I'm sure you have a period where you're looking at the whole year, and then you have a period where you're looking at the seasons that are involved. And for us, they're very quick. cut: The winter program, spring practice, you know, the we have a little dead period right now, and the coaches are recruiting. Then we have our summer program, then camp, and then the season, and everything builds towards the season. So I guess, you know, my focus is really there's, there's certainly time you have to dedicate to looking at the whole year. You know, how do we want to get to January and then, you know, you break those things down and then you start just really focusing on those components. And yeah. uh, since you're in charge, yeah, you do have to have an eye to the future a little bit. And when it came to facilities, things like that, you got to look down the road, Yeah, you, gotta, you know, five, yeah, 10 years also. Stop of the
0: organization. You got to kind of look around the corner a little exactly. bit and help. Yeah.
1: So that, that part's, you know, a part of our reality, but the majority of my time is really on the here and now and what, what can we be doing better to move forward? And yeah. so, you know, that's kind of been where my focus has been and- um, you know, just try to make those judgments as we go and just all the things we've talked about today, obviously it's a lot different world than it was 20, 20 plus years ago. Yet, I would also argue the things, the components, the keys to success, the keys for us to be a winning team this coming fall really aren't a lot, a lot different than they were in 99, right. 2000, 2002, 2003 year senior year. Those things don't change a lot but how do we better get to those core things that are going to make us successful? How do we better, uh, educate our players that, Hey, this is where we really got to focus and invest our efforts.
0: Yeah. Last, last question. I'm not going to use the L, the, the legacy works. I know, I know if no one knew you probably want to talk too much about that, but looking let's, let's say we're at the halfway point of your career. You got another 25 years, You got another 25 years ahead of you as the, as the head coach, as you look down the pipe at this remaining portion of your uh, tenure here as the head coach at Iowa, what is, looking out again, whether that's 10, 15, 20, 25 years, what does, if you're going to look back at the end of that, looking at this last portion of your career ahead of you, what does success look like? What needs to happen for you throughout the remainder of your head coaching career at Iowa for you to consider it a success?
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I really don't think a lot about it other than, um, you, you know, I'll dovetail a little bit, you know, back, you visit with the media every now and then. Occasionally, they'll ask you know what keeps you going, what keeps you. Yeah, you've done it a long time. That's a respectful way of saying you're getting old. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what what keeps you stimulated? What keeps you involved? And I, I think that's the, um, the thing that I've found. You know, there there's such opportunity to learn. This is such a um, dynamic process. Things are changing all the time. The landscape's changing again. Just as I mentioned in the last answer. The core values, the core things that are really important for moving moving things forward don't change. But the world around us changes so much and, and the challenges. So uh, I find that highly stimulating, at times frustrating, at times discouraging. Uh, so there's all those emotions you deal with. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, you just you, you evaluate it. And um, this is where I was in December, like, you know, as discouraged as I was about this NIL, about the portal and all those things uh, having eight or 10 players come in my office in a couple day period saying they're going to leave the program. Sure. That, that's a little bit of a blow to your ego yep. in some ways. You take it personally for a little bit. And then I started thinking, well, you know, maybe if they're not 100% happy here, it's better they leave. And maybe we find some guys that are going to be 100% happy. So there's, there's always opportunity. Uh, but I think as long as you're able to, you know, find, find value in that or find, uh, you know, a good, good answer there. Where I'm, where I'm going here, a long-winded answer. The thing that that really you know brought me back to center in, in December was our players. Once we started practicing for the bowl game, and whether it was uh, you know however many practices here on campus seven, eight, and then going down and doing the bowl week in Nashville with our guys, be, being around our players like that—that's what you you can't buy. That you just can't buy it in the real yeah. world. Uh, having that opportunity to be with guys, working together on on something that's really hard to do, uh, and being around the great individuals and. You know, you can name a bunch of guys off this team just like an O three when you' were a senior right right through. So uh, that, that's a part that's gonna be hard to walk away from. but um, you know the the thing I think you know, I try to be honest with your evaluation and if if I feel like I'm ever um, not not invested, if I'm not doing the job, my job the way I should be doing it at a standard I should be doing it at, uh, that that's when I suppose I'll know where it's time to back off. Or the other component about what I do, sometimes other people tell you it's time to back off and uh, they don't give you a choice. So one thing about, about football, that, but... whether you're a player or a coach, usually you don't get to leave yeah. on your own on your own uh, dictation. But, um, you know, as long as I have a say in it, that that's really going to be the guiding force. And I'll also say my wife has a vote in this whole thing, too, and the pandemic probably helped us in some ways because helped me. Uh, because she she quickly determined I'm not ready to be around the house uh, all day long. So <laughs> yeah, keep you at it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's an equation we'll figure out down the road. But right yeah. now, not not giving it a lot of thought.
0: That's the you know the fun thing uh, the thing that I missed the most about sports right is kind of hope springs eternal with each spring and summer yeah. and you're bringing a new group of. Going out there with a new group of guys, or you're leading a new group of people outside of that tunnel, and it's those are the folks that want to be there. They're bought in. They've gone through yep. everything, and that's that's your group, and you're going to roll out there with them. And it's I can imagine, it, even though this will be your 25th team, you're leading out into Kinnick Stadium. I imagine it. Uh, each one is is special and, and makes it feel probably like it's just the first one. I bet
1: you as a player, and you had a long, long career. Every every year it's a new team, as yeah. you know. And even if the same team comes back, it's a new team, new circumstances and challenges. I think that's the thing that's so stimulating about it. It's just it's a new new puzzle every year, yeah. every day, and um, so that that's a part that you know I, I, at some point maybe it'll get old. I don't know. Yeah. It hasn't thus far, and
0: uh, yeah, success is putting that puzzle together it the right is. way just and then figuring
1: out a way, teeing it up
0: and seeing where where it lands at the end of the end of
1: the year, right? But, and the other key key components being with good people, and you know, so whatever it is now. Um, do my math here, 33 years I've been at Iowa, 33 seasons, I guess, total, whether it's 1981 or now, there's a lot of commonality between those years. And I think that's, I do believe it's unique to our program. I do believe that. Obviously I'm biased, but, uh, I I think what's, what's existed here is a little bit different than a lot of places. Absolutely. And I, I personally, I thrive in that. I enjoy that. Um, and I'm not sure what I could do that would yeah, replace that right now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, it'll be a football season here before we know it. We're all excited. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Hopefully, a little bit of downtime, and uh, look forward to getting the Hawkeyes out there here this fall. We really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Well, it is coming fast, and I'll just uh, close. First of all, this has been, like I said, it's a pleasure and an honor to do this. And and one of the good things about doing this, uh, doing what I do, is to see people like you. And that's my my goal is to see guys come through the program. Not, not that we've shaped your your whole life. I'm not suggesting that by any stretch, but uh, to see guys come through the program, grow in the program, and grow in their whole lives, um, and then just go off and really, you know, do what do what it is that they do in their in their professional lives. Uh, not a lot of guys get to have a pro career like yours, and that's people don't understand just how uh, unique and how hard that is to do. Uh, But then the the bigger picture is like, you know, raising a family and being good members of a community. So just, you know, hats off to you and, uh, you know, makes an old guy feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks coach. Thanks, Nate. Yep.
0: Huge thanks to coach Kirk Ferentz for taking time out of his busy day to come onto the show and talk about his real success. Follow along with all things Hawkeye sports by visiting hawkeyesports.com. And I'd also like to thank Midwest one bank for sponsoring this podcast Learn more and experience simply better banking at Midwest midwestone.bank. And this podcast is produced by Upload Media Group, located here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information on them, you can visit uploadmediagroup.com. And if you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit corridorbusiness.com.